Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hi, everybody. I'm Co Hodges, co-founder and lead instructor at Unraveled Academy. And today I'm so excited to be interviewing Kaziah Kelsey. She is an artist, mother, and an amazing instructor. And I'm just so happy to have you on. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be so rad. So today we're talking about motherhood. Um, We are both mothers. And Kaziya, you really capture motherhood in such a beautifully unique way. um, And you teach others to do so. Um, You've taught for us. And I will link in the show notes um, the course that you created for us. It's so beautiful. And it's helped so many people see differently, especially when shooting motherhood in home. But when did this switch for you? When did you really begin documenting motherhood in this way? And what was your push to do so? So it's a funny question, right? Because I was photographing before my son came to us and I thought that I understood, you know, motherhood, but like everybody understands motherhood when you're not actually a mother, right? Like you're like, oh, my kid's never going to cry in the store or whatever. Um, So then, you know, my son came home and I realized that, you know, my whole life had been this like idealized perception of motherhood. And the reality was really, really, really difficult. Still beautiful and amazing, of course, but really difficult. Um, And so that really pushed me to try to start making images that actually told the truth. Um, And in its more complex way that it's not just terrible either. Although some days in some moments when you're like covered in your child's poop and they're screaming, (laughs) you're like, this is terrible. (laughs) That's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) Those moments definitely happen. But then like five minutes later, your kid will smile at you and, you know, the sun will come out from behind the clouds and it's just complicated. Oh, it totally um, is. So, it's so complex, for sure. And it's, oh, it is. It math. really, really is. <laughs> and it sort of, you know, I, I was telling people, you know, once I began to mother, I realized that um, uh, motherhood and parenthood in general is sort of like a skeleton key to all the things in your head that you didn't know were there. Yeah. Um, past life experiences, things you, you believe about um, society, things that you were raised to believe that you thought you turned over until you find yourself like parroting your parents at the top of your lungs at your own child. Um, you know, like how often does your mom just jump into your body and out of your mouth while you're like, I told you to miss Sarah, whatever it is, stop throwing your underwear at my head or whatever. That's the worst. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, Oh my God, mom, are you right? Oh my gosh, this yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you realize sort of it's just this little key that unlocks all these things in your head and makes you really look at like, who am I really? Um, yes. And what what things are in here that I want to be in here and what things are in here that I just didn't know were in here and now I need to really look at. Mm. Um, it's sort of a... It's a really interesting push into determining who you really are as a human, I think, in a lot of ways. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And how our identities shift um, during motherhood, pre and post. I mean, it's just, it's an interesting experience, an incredible journey, but like you were saying, very difficult, very complex um, to the point where that stuff, the hard stuff isn't always showcased uh, or talked about appropriately for sure. Oh my gosh. I think that's a great segue to transition into talking about, you know, what you and I have chatted about um, for this interview about non-traditional mothering roles. Um, And so first, will you tell everybody um, like how you identify as a mother in your experience? Yeah. So I'm a mother through adoption um, and I'm co-mothering with my wife. So my son has two mothers um, and that makes motherhood identity a little bit more complicated. I think just in the sense that you're both trying to figure out like, what is my motherhood? And, you know, when we think about motherhood in terms of like a societal definition, we tend to think of it in terms of nurturing, right? Like a mother's role is to nurture to feed and care and teach and raise um, and just sort of, you know, do all the hugging and the kissing and the Mm -hmm. tear wiping and, you know, all these things. And then when we have two mothers in the home, it sort of becomes like, well, which bits are yours and which bits are mine, which is silly because that's like, you know, when people ask two women, which one of you is the man? Like, God, (laughs) nobody. That's the point, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's the best. I'm going to quote you later. That that made my whole day. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> right. You don't have one of those in this equation. Right. right. Um, but then like you walk into motherhood and somehow your brain just reverts back to this, like that same ideology of like, well, motherhood is a gendered concept. Um, and that's, to me really crazy and so it's been really interesting as we sort of navigate this um, because I'm the stay-at-home parent you know and I am the primary caregiver so it tends towards this more traditional motherhood role you know I cook I clean I sew him clothes I homeschool him Mm -hmm. you know all of these very traditional um, motherhood roles and so it sort of led me in my work for a long time into a very palatable version of motherhood, you know, women in dresses, women who are breastfeeding, women who are being what is like culturally gendered in femininity Mm -hmm. and um, this nurturing motherhood. And for the last year or so, my wife has given me a lot of pushback on that and she won't sit for me anymore. She used to let me photograph her all the time and now she won't. And she, you know, really said to me after I sat down with her, she was saying, I don't feel like I'm reflected in any way by this vision of motherhood. This isn't my motherhood. This isn't the way that I mother. And I feel left out in the cold by this. Sure. Um, Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, whoa, my crap. That's not at all, you know, and I've, I've always felt so strongly about lifting, you know, postpartum depression up into the public eye and yes. uh, the struggles of our motherhood that I was shocked that I just had this huge blind spot in terms of what I was producing um, in motherhood and that I was really um, lifting up a palatable motherhood, uh, one that is still very gendered and very feminine and very, um, 
traditional in lots and lots of ways. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> so I think about that now and I think about, um, you know, what, how do we approach work, our work, when we're trying to talk about something that isn't our experience? Right. You know, for me, my experience is very traditional in tons of ways. So it was easy for me to connect with other women who are living a traditional motherhood or a traditional gendered experience in some way, even if what we're talking about steps slightly outside of the norm, the imagery still sits inside of this like palatable visualization, right? Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And I feel like this crosses over so many different uh, boundaries and different niches. But, you know, for me, yeah. this last year, I have had to really take a step back and look at how I am preparing mothers to be photographed by me. It's very similar. You know, each time I'm like, yeah. oh, you, if you have long hair, let's wear it down. If you have a, if you have a beautiful yeah. flowy dress, let's wear that. Let's like you were saying, let's be right. very feminine. And it's like, here's your box, get in this box and then you'll fit right. this role. And I feel like right. until you see, until you see it, you know, you just don't know. And so this is one of those things like just shedding light on this. And then once you see it, you see it everywhere. And you're like, holy shit, um, I was kind of <laughs> doing this, like, you know, and I, and right. I want to put anybody in a box, you know, and, and it makes yeah. you reflect on your own motherhood experience. And mine's different too. And, um, and in so many ways, as far as the provider role and expanding upon what that means to yeah. me and trying to do it all <laughs> perfectly and be the yeah. nurturer and be yeah. this, this mom who's at everything at school and be this mom who's at everything at home and still making money and still doing all of the things. And it really forces you yeah. to recognize who you are. And I think that's so important here. And a big takeaway is who you really are. And because your identity, your identity, despite having children or despite having a spouse or a partner or regardless, that's so important to make sure you know, you know, who you are as a human yeah. being. And that's good for your children. It's good for your family in general versus getting in the box and staying yeah. there and maybe being misunderstood. For sure. And misunderstood by yourself as well, I think, sure. in so many ways. Like, I think it's easy. Again, I keep saying it was easy to do this or easy because I think sometimes if we're not active about investigating our, our intentions or like, why are we doing this thing? Mm -hmm. We just sort of travel this path that's a little bit easier or more natural feeling, which right. isn't always wrong, but sometimes it leads us completely astray. And I think as artists who are invested in making work, you know, that has a deeper intention and meaning, mm -hmm. you know, my work really strives to reflect who mothers are in that moment of their motherhood. Yeah. I, you know, so for me, I had to really reevaluate and, you know, since we've moved, I've been sort of on hiatus. I have tons of time to think about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've really been thinking quite a bit about it and really trying to figure out what are my next steps in terms of creating images of mothers who don't sit inside of what we view as acceptable motherhood. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So... 
obviously the, the list is, you know, extensive and can go on forever because we can't yeah. try to like, identify every, all of these different roles. But in your opinion, who do you think we're missing? Who do you think isn't being photographed or documented appropriately? Which, which mothering roles are we truly missing as a society? I think societally, um, man, this is kind of a broad, I'm going to try not to tangent too much on this, but <laughs> sure. little girl. My mom was real into old movies, like mm-hmm. super duper. And my mom, to be fair to her, she was very traditional, believed in very conservative traditional ideology. So yeah. while she raised us all as creative thinkers, which was like her one step outside of the conservative <laughs> mindset, so everything else was, you know, be a good wife, be yeah. dutiful, you know, stay in your lane, et cetera. Yes. Um, but you can read books. I don't know. It was this weird, like, <laughs> right. default thing. Yeah, I used to be like, well, I love to read and I love creative thought, but also stay in your lane. I'm like, oh, right. that's contradictory. But um, she, so she wanted us to, you know, watch these old movies with her. And I watched this movie called Woman of the Year. It has Catherine Hepburn in it. And I don't know if you've seen it. It's oh my black gosh. and white. It's from... 1,000 times. Uh, I've seen that a billion times. Yes. I'm obsessed with her (laughs) and that movie rocks. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But I feel like that movie, I'm so glad you've seen it and I don't have to like paraphrase the plot. (laughs) Right, right. Um, I feel like that movie, the message is punitive towards women ultimately. And I grew up really thinking that that was punitive, that the movie's ultimate upshot was you can't have it all. You've got to pick. You can be a mom and have the love and adoration of your children and your spouse, or you can be a breadwinner. Right. Um, and my all of my 20s and, and 30s, too, I push back and push back against that idea. Like, this is just punitive and it's holding women back. And now, as I work in my mid and late 30s, I start to realize it's more like factually true that one human can't do everything. Right. And... We, we can do some parts of all of it. We're all capable of basically running ourselves into the ground and <laughs> consuming all of our resources in, in a desire to uh, do all of these things. Right. But ultimately, we have to sort of choose what are we doing and how. Right. So all of this is to say that there are enormous groups of women who are mothering in a non-consuming way yeah. that... The traditional motherhood role consumes. It consumes a woman's identity, her time, her love, her body. Every part of her is consumed by the role of mothering, right? Yes. And there's almost this sort of like cult around being consumed that we want women to allow themselves to be consumed and sacrificed on this like alterhood of motherhood. And not to say that that's negative. I certainly do that on the daily, right? Like my wife is always like, how are you still upright? I don't get it right now. Like what's happening here? I'm like, it's fine. I'm fine. Um, But I think there's all these other women who are choosing not to be consumed and are still mothering. Yeah. And we're just not sure how to visualize that. Right. And and we have like this history of, of you know, Western art that is all about, um, you know, female sacrifice and deityhood and um, submission and all of these concepts where all of our art and our, our um, artistic 
aesthetics are built around this one particular vision of how women are represented and how motherhood is represented. So when people look at or try to make imagery around motherhood, we just default to this sort of sacrificial motherhood. Um, Yes, absolutely. And And the badge of honor that, that is invisible and, but is also, um, a, a non-attainable but wanted this badge of honor that we give each other and ourselves for being depleted and somehow yeah. like you're saying like your wife was saying somehow you're still standing and then that for some reason that keeps us going because at the end of the day yeah. when it's been really fucking hard and your kids are losing their shit and dinner is burning and homework's not done and all that stuff is is all consuming oh and p.s your light bills do and you don't know how you're gonna make that happen you know it helps to have that invisible badge of honor that we, we crave it. We need that recognition for all the labor because yeah. it's so hard. And like you're saying, consuming at the end of the day, when you have zero seconds left for yourself that you gave all yeah. day long to have that. And so I feel yeah, like women do, like, they want it. I know I do. Yeah, no, totally. Me too. Yeah. Like if my day has been like a complete shit show and I'm like, my hair's crazy and I've been <laughs> crying and like yes. dinner is, you know, it's like, if there's cereal for dinner, like don't ask about my day, dude, you know, like <laughs> for sure. that's sort of a day, you know? Yes. And all I want is that like, I'm like, I can totally be built back up by just like, wow, you know, you're such a good mom or wow whatever, you know, like, Oh, I'm so glad you got X, Y, and Z done. Any of that is like enough. It's comes from the table, right? I'm like, ah, so sure. I didn't do anything for myself today, but I did get acknowledged for how insanely hard I worked. Right. Right. And that it's sort of this, I, I, and I don't think like, I want to be really clear by saying that, you know, as a member of the sort of that sort of consumptive motherhood, I'm not saying it's a, the worst thing or even necessarily a bad thing. I just want to say it's not the only way no. to mother. No. You know, young, young parenthood is by its nature consuming. Right. Small children need a lot. They just do. And somebody's going to have to get it, you know? So right. whether it's you or your partner or some, uh, staff member or somebody, a grandparent, whoever it is, somebody is being consumed by the small child. That's just the way it is. Right. Absolutely. Um, I just think that it's because we spend a lot of time in the motherhood community revering this consumptive motherhood um, as it should be. It's hard work and it deserves accolades. Where spending less time really focusing or even recognizing the motherhood that is this other motherhood, right. this driven motherhood, the, the pursuing of goals and dreams motherhood, mm-hmm. the um, breadwinner motherhood, yes. the doing what it takes outside of the home motherhood. Yep. You know? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think really, really, really important to find a way to talk about and revere and image um, in honest ways as a community because motherhood is so many things. And, you know, it's like talking about between breast and bottle, you know, Mm -hmm. and 
people are like, well, you know, one doesn't detract from the other. And it's really important. And that's true. You know, it, it's exactly the same in all of our motherhood choices is that, you know, we all do it differently. Right. And, right. and we need to be, I think, as a community whose function, like the motherhood social media community is our basic function is to, to create a space of community and sisterhood. Right. I mean, yes. that's what I perceive it as. Yes, I agree. And that's, oh, thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> and that can't be if we're only saying, well, we're, we're a sisterhood, but only for sisters who choose to mother in the way that we mother. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so much there. This brings me back. I, I have two children, um, one breastfed and one couldn't uh, because of medical reasons. And Lord, I tried so hard because at the hospital that I delivered him at, um, and I had worked there for many years, you know, they had a motto breast is best, which has kind of become a universal throughout all hospitals, which is fantastic. And yeah, hell yeah, I agreed breast is best, but I had this one breastfeeding specialist come in and tell me, um, as I was struggling and crying and in the office for the billionth time, he won't go to breast. He won't go to breast. He's only bottle. And she told me that we could have some intimacy issues and that he might not be as connected to me because he couldn't go to breast. And I was devastated. And I'm a nurse. So I'm in the medical field. I couldn't imagine someone who wasn't and didn't know as much even, but I was completely devastated. And it turns out that that's not true because that little boy is so connected to me. It's it's insane. But I feel like every kid is different and every family is different and every childhood experience is different. Motherhood experience is different. There's none that are parallel, even though we have some similar experiences, but each one should be treated differently and exonerated differently. And I agree with you on that. And so if we're not catering to or or even showcasing all the different ways that this can go down, we're doing our community a disservice. Agree. Completely. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, I didn't breastfeed. I adopted my son. And, um, I, you know, I have a sort of social media attitude where if something doesn't apply to me, I just move right along. Right. But I feel like, you know, the discussions are so intense. And obviously, mm-hmm. as a member of the motherhood community and the birth community, um, I'm in a lot of conversations about the physicality and connectedness of motherhood. And a lot of them just don't apply to me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have the experience of being pregnant. I didn't have the experience of birthing a child. Mm-hmm. I don't have the experience of, of breastfeeding a child. You know, I share my motherhood with another woman who I mother with and a third woman who, you know, gave birth to my son. Right. I have a very complex mothering experience. And that's true of all of us, right? You know, some people have a genuinely fit the traditional mold, you know, traditional motherhood experience, but it's still unique to them because it's they're a unique human being, right? And their lives are just as complicated as everyone else's. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So who do you think like as we move forward and for myself and for those listening, who should we be aware of? Who are we missing? Who isn't out there on the grids um, being documented with their children as mothers, but just in a different light? I think that single motherhood really needs to be discussed a lot more. Sure. Um, and same-sex motherhood really needs to be discussed a lot more. Um, mothers who are not primary caregivers, 
Mm-hmm. I think that that's a completely different type of mothering. Yes. And it's really interesting, you know, because I've been talking so much with my wife about it. Um, you know, we went fishing this weekend with my wife and my son and another mother and her, her daughter. Um, and this other mother is also a non-primary caregiver. She's the breadwinner. She goes to work every day, works super long hours, and her husband is the stay-at-home. Okay. Um, and so with that in mind, and I'd asked everybody permission, I just sort of loosely photographed while they were working in an effort to sort of see what I could see yeah. about this other type of mothering. Like, what are the differences? Um, one of the things that I noticed about this type of motherhood is that the, the both of these mothers have a sort of, um, man, it's so hard to articulate, but it's, it's a sort of trust in the child that I feel like I never have. Like I don't, I've always thought that my wife is way more helicoptery than me because she doesn't have all the time with my child as I do. So she doesn't know what milestones he's hit or what he's capable of. Or yeah. if he goes up a slide that she's never seen, she'll, oh, oh no, oh, right. like, no, he's already done it 20 times. No big deal. Right. So I've always thought that she's so much more helicoptery. But watching both her and the other mom together and just sort of sitting back to observe, I realized that there's this sort of... Um, just baseline trust that the child's going to be fine. Yeah. Interesting. That they're just, there's an expectation of the child that they are in control and can do whatever it is that they're asking the child to do mm-hmm. um, at a much higher level than I often, because I always think, you know, well, I, I haven't taught you this yet. Maybe you don't know how to do it yet. So I'll, you know, elaborately explain things. And my wife's like, okay, we're going fishing. Here's the pole. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> you want to, you know, explain some of that? No? Okay. Right, 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 right. And I don't know that I've ever been able to just observe before. Yeah. So because we're always like in the act of co-parenting or the expectation is that I'm there. So I'm doing the momming. Right. Um, so being able to just observe and then seeing another mother of the same type of mothering doing it side by side, I was able to draw a lot more comparisons mm-hmm. and understand like a lot of ticks that I was like, oh, this isn't your personality. This is a tick of this type of motherhood. Right. Um, and some of the things are things that we would necessarily assign to fatherhood, but I think it's not fatherhood or motherhood. It's this type of parenthood. Yes. Yes. Oh that makes gosh. sense. and just parenting styles versus masculine versus feminine, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We've been gendering our parenting, but what it really is, is just about like how much time do you spend with the child? Mm -hmm. um, And what is your, your types of responsibilities towards the family unit, you know, and that sort of informs the way that you parent because that's how your brain functions, you know, as, as, the person who runs the home, I'm always thinking, you know, okay, I'm going to set a load of laundry to go and then we're going to go brush our teeth and then I'm going to, you know, we'll take a walk around the block and then the laundry will be done. So we're going to move it and then we'll go do lessons. And, you know, like this is how, <laughs> this is how my brain works, right? right? And my wife is like, oh, let's go for a hike for five hours. <laughs> I can't do laundry during that time. Right. We're, we're not multitasking. We can't do that. <laughs> Right, right. And she doesn't. She doesn't 
multitask at all because that's not how her parenthood works. Right. Her parenthood is experiential. Interesting. Um, and so when she's in the experience, like that's what they're doing. She's not doing other stuff. She's just yeah. doing that thing. So interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by this. I feel like this could be such a longer podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fascinating it's, it's really fascinating. It really is. I think it's so interesting to go back to like even, you know, a generation or two ago. And I loved how you mentioned your mom because I feel like your mom was doing her due diligence as a wife of that time and a mother of that time, just like mine did. But your mom was kind of doing a little, maybe it was subconscious, but like a little wink, like, but you guys can listen to this music and read this book, okay? You know, and open your minds a little bit. My mom really didn't do that. My mom was, um, she was a career woman before. She's kind of a, a total anomaly, really, because I've like dug into this concept a bunch of times as I was like getting married and then going through my divorce and uh, and mothering and all of these things, kind of like she just should be in a museum and studied, but she was a career woman. And for the late seventies, early eighties was kind of an anomaly because she didn't get married until she was 34 and which was later for that time. And she was a career woman who let it all go once she did get married and had her first child, which was me. And from that time on, never really took on any more work or did any, anything for herself truly um, ever again. Um, so it was something that I watched and, and something that I didn't have a lot of respect for because I saw her kind of just be okay with that, be kind of complacent with that. Well, you know, I gave it up. And yeah. and so she didn't have an identity, identity outside of my brother and I, which, you know, as I grew older, I was like, I'm never going to be like that. Right. So then I had a chip on yeah, my shoulder yeah. about that. And I went into full feminist blah through college where I was like, I'm never going to be dependent on another, on, on a man specifically and another person even more so. And yeah. I'm never going to not have my own identity. And so it's interesting yeah. how that comes into play in your own adulthood and how I have taken on traditional and non-traditional roles in my own motherhood experience and how that's shifted and changed. And, and it's interesting how I take that and kind of project it onto clients at times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I I would say, you know, this is a little bit more of a like philosophical, philosophical, (laughs) 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 words are hard. (laughs) It's definitely, I think it's really interesting to sort of look inward as artists and try to think like where does my desire for different types of imagery come from Mm -hmm. and when I'm working with clients who are paying me to make images of them Mm -hmm. using my artistry how do I marry my desire for my own imagery that comes out of my own dictionary of life experiences and and iconography of what I believe in, you know, what I think is beautiful and what matters to me and all of these things that create this personal um, iconography. And then how do I lay that on top of these other people whose lives are so completely different from mine? Um, And should I? And if I do, how do I, I... blend them in a way that's still truthful to both of us yes oh my gosh right there that is it that is what 
I feel like so many of us are grasping for and hungry for right now. And I feel like it's constantly shifting and changing, but I do think this is a dialogue and this is something I've been talking a lot about um, with different artists is how to appropriately document a human being as they are while staying true to my creative vision. Like how do we do that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I think like it's important to know and say that when you are working for a business yourself or some other, you know, if you are in business and people are paying you um, and you are working as a professional, there is a big difference in terms of what you produce um, than when you are working for yourself as a fine artist. Right. And you can do both. You can be in business as a fine artist, but I think you have to be completely transparent to clientele about that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't be like, I'm a family portrait photographer. No, you're not. <laughs> Right. <laughs> because what you are is an artist. Right. You're you're a fine artist that is working with young families or whatever type of family you're choosing to work with. You know, I am a fine artist who works in young families and parenthood. That's right. what my subject matter is. Right. But if I, you know, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm an artist because representing myself as a portrait photographer lends people to the idea that what I do is, you know, snap photographs of people lined up on a log smiling. Right. Right. And that is not in fact what I do. Um, And so that's to say, I think one of the biggest ways to make sure that you can stay true to your own vision is all in the way that you connect to your clients in terms of those opening interactions Mm -hmm. where they know what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So that they're not just hiring you because you're a photographer that they know, or you're the first person that came up on Google, or um, you got recommended because, you know, Susie in the office used you and they like her pictures. So right. it seems like you'll do fine. <laughs> None of those are good enough to, to communicate to your clients. I, I am here to make part of my own vision and art with you. Right. Right. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. There's so much here. And I feel like we could talk forever about how to uh, apply this into marketing and business structure, but to sum it up, how can we level up and properly document different types of mothers or how can we help normalize and destigmatize other mothering roles on social media and in our own businesses? So it's such a great question and it's so important. And I think the more that I do the emotional and mental labor around this and think, you know, how do we genuinely do this job of destigmatizing other types of, of, of mothering and normalization of the full beautiful cornucopia of what is parenthood and the human experience. Um, And I think that the answer is really simple is that we do everything with integrity Mm -hmm. Um, and we do it with the intention to truly represent what's in front of us and not what we're trying to see and not what we're hoping to see or not what, and this speaks specifically to the social media stage, but 
not what we know is going to be big in a photography group or what we think, oh, everybody's going to love this and, you know, it's going to get a zillion likes and hooray, I'm going to be a huge business. You know, I think there's the temptation to create beautiful things because they're beautiful. Um, And there's the temptation to create things that fall inside of the palatable norm because we want, we have that same desire that we have when we want to be told we did a really good job, you know, with all the laundry (laughs) is we want to be told we did a good job when we worked hard to make a little, a piece of art. Right. 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 Um, And so we sort of shy away from the risk that is visualizing something that doesn't fit inside of that norm. Right. Um, and I think we could all do a better job, myself included, for sure. And this little hiatus has definitely given me the kick in the pants to really buckle down and um, look to talk about other mothering, if you will, um, by really looking for what I'm really looking at and not what I'm hoping to see. Yes. Oh my gosh, that is it. You are amazing. Thank you so much for bringing your heart and you. and being so candid and honest here because this is something that I know so many people will connect to and will open a lot of eyes. So um, we appreciate you. I am going to link your course in the show notes along with social media links to follow along on your journey. And honey, this, thank you so much for being a part of our community. Thank you. You know I love the community so much. And it's one of the truly positive spaces in a social media world that is so <laughs> mean. Oh, so you. it's that's really, so it's really a beautiful place. Thank you so much. And that's thanks to the beautiful hearts that made it. Oh, you're the best ever. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.